2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He is turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details
1: of his career. Until now, people are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall,
2: and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcast.
0: Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls Podcast and the Blue Eye Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show. Thank you to our partners Bet Online and Indeed for sponsoring Bulls HQ. We're coming live to you right now via the locker room app. This is the first for Bulls HQ. We thought we'd give it a go on draft night to talk about The Bulls draft pick, the NBA draft, as things are happening in real time. Um, I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to try Locker Room out, and here to help me out, and here to talk Bulls with me is my old mate, Will Gottlieb. Will, how are you, sir?
2: Mark, I'm doing well, man. Um, I made this joke before, but it was funny enough, so I'm going to say it again. I saw that you were tweeting through it earlier. I'm with you. I'm trying to process the Patrick Williams pick. Um, Not at all what I thought they were going to be
0: doing, but I don't hate it. I'm not convinced I hate it. Yeah, look, I'm... I I don't know like, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm going back and forward like I, I for for me at least I see him more as a power forward than a small forward so I mean for those that aren't aware Patrick Williams Florida State University six um, foot eight two twenty five almost a seven foot wingspan played a lot of three, played a lot of four, maybe more so four in the college. In college, So, I don't know, to me, the way I see him, I see him more as a modern-day power forward eventually, someone who can play small forward, but I don't see him as a natural small forward, let's say. And I, I've voiced those thoughts on, um, on Twitter, and a lot of people are disappointed that I would even bother saying that, um, maybe because the Bulls seemingly have an obvious hole at small forward going forward, um, you know, once Otto sort of transition away from the team, which I assume will happen beyond this season, so maybe people see that, maybe they think Patrick will just naturally slide into small forward. But to me, at least, he's like, based on what I think he can be, to me, I think he can be just be like the perfect modern day power forward. I don't think he's a star necessarily, but I think eventually, like a big six foot eight, six foot nine power forward, someone like Jeremy Grant, for example, I think that's a decent comp for. For who he can be, maybe OG and Obi, Like, those guys play a lot of four. They obviously play three, but they play a lot of four. So, and just thinking about the league and where it's going and the fact that it's continuously transitioning away from bigs and maybe being even smaller, like, I don't know. I, I see Patrick Williams as more of a five, maybe in some, in some lineups, even as a, uh, a center. I mean, Pascal Siakam was closing games at center at one point for the, for the Raptors in the playoffs. So I don't know, that's how I view him, but a, a lot of people definitely view him as a, a, the small forward of, of the future, so to speak. So how, what about you, Will? How, how do you see Williams, what, who, he, who he projects to be, let's say, and, and how do you think he fits on the ball?
2: Yeah, so I, I'm actually with you in the sense that I, I see him more as a, as a big than a wing. Um, I, I actually like really like the idea of him as kind of a small ball five. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, he, his body kind of reminds me of like Thomas Robinson, just like huge, like, you know, like trunky legs, explosive, like super high vertical. Um, and let me also just preface all this by saying like, I've watched, you know, 20 minutes of his film (laughs) today when I, when I learned that they're going to take him. So I'm by no means an expert, but, um, yeah, I think he's got a lot of potential to be like a good help side defender. I think his mobility doesn't really seem like it's there quite enough to be somebody who can, like, switch onto point guards. Um, But, you know, that's I think that's okay. I think he's got, like, a ton of potential as a a team defender, um, and he'll be able to guard, like, three through five, uh, which is really valuable. And then I think, you know, offensively, I think if he kind of hits his potential on that side of the ball, we're talking about, like, a very solid player. Like you said, I don't think he's, like, the best player on a championship caliber team. Um, but, you know, with his vision, um, his ability to shoot, I think he's like 83% at the free throw line in college, uh, 36 or something percent from three. Um, a little slow on the release, but I think those numbers translate really well to somebody who can shoot the ball at a high level. Um, and then just like attacking closeouts, cutting, you know, catching lobs as a, as a role man, um, you know, a pick-and-pop three guy. I think he's got a lot of different tools that he can use. Um, And, you know, ultimately with the Bulls, it comes down to what we've been talking about this whole time, which is can they find the lead initiator to actually get him the ball? Um, I think he can be, like, a a decent secondary playmaker. Um, But at the end of the day, they're still looking for that guy. And I, I would also say, and we can, you know, I'm running down the list here, but I think the big thing for me is that, like, If he is a four, if he is a five, um, he can probably play some three, but I wonder what that means for Lowry and Wendell because it does not seem, based on this pick, that um, AK and Eversley are very beholden to the roster that is already there. I think they'll probably take this this thing slowly and start to rebuild it uh, with guys that fit the mold of player that they want, which I think Patrick Williams does.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely comes across as an AK pick in the sense that, you know, two-way player, someone who can play both ends, someone who can project to be a very good player on both ends, I think, which is critical. Um, obviously, I think probably more so initially will be on defense, but we'll see how his offensive game develops. And just on the chat here within the locker room app, I mean, Kevin Schwartz has joined the... Uh, the locker room out here on the Bulls HQ channel, and he, he sort of suggested that Paul, Paul Millsap is an interesting comparison. I think that kind of makes sense. Maybe a younger Paul Millsap, or a, a Paul Millsap entering this NBA, this day and age of NBA. I think that's an interesting comparison, so I don't mind that one. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting pick. I, I, I understand why some Bulls fans are maybe... Disappointed with the pick, and it it sort of came out of nowhere to a degree. That the Patrick Williams rumblings only really started in the last couple of days, and maybe some fans were hoping that Lamello would fall, or Anthony Edwards would uh, would fall, or if it's not those guys, that the Bulls would get that lead creator, as you sort of alluded to there, will and maybe draft Killian Hayes, who who went seventh to the Pistons. So I can understand why some fans are disappointed about that, that they didn't necessarily grab that playmaker. And, you know, because we just haven't had a lot of time maybe to d- digest who who uh, Patrick Williams is as a player, that maybe people just aren't across who he is or what he can be and maybe they are expecting something a little bit more from the number four pick. And to me, the way I kept rationalising this whole thing is no matter who they drafted at power forward, I think the most likely scenario was that they're going to be ta- – hopefully that that player ultimately sort of graded out at a, at a, as a good high-end level role player. I think in this specific draft at pick number four, that's probably what you're going to get. And maybe randomly he can sort of, um, I don't know, break out to be something more than that. Obviously, that would be ideal. I'm not banking on that. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down on him being maybe a high-limited – sorry, a high-level role player, which some people are. But there's also some fans, obviously, who maybe think he's a um a small forward of the future maybe he can grow into become a, a Kawhi Leonard type like prospect where yeah he comes into the league is maybe sort of we think about him more as a 3 4 type player a tweener of sorts but then all of a sudden he develops his offensive skill set and his uh you know his ball handling his his isolation scoring these sorts of things his three point shot and maybe he can develop into that Kawhi level player i don't see that happening i think that's yeah, that's a little crazy to me at this point. I would obviously be very, very happy if that was the case, but there's no way I can bank on it at this point. But I don't know, the more I the more I think about it, the more I talk myself into it. But to your point, it, it does raise some interesting questions about the fit with Lowry, the fit with Wendell, what it means going forward, whether the Bulls are going to start him at small forward or play out the majority of his minutes at small forward. Uh, I don't know. That I guess that's all up in air. We'll find out in essentially one month's time. But how do you think it's going to all play out initially at least?
2: I think they're probably not going to be in any rush to force him into any certain position. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways he actually fits well with both Lowry and Wendell um, as somebody who can be that weak side, help defender and protect the rim next to Lowry, um, but also provides kind of a ability to be maybe a little bit more switchy than Wendell um, and, and stretch out the floor a little bit and kind of compliment each of those guys. So, I think there's a world in which, um, you know, they don't make any major moves. I think you probably would have seen that on draft night if it were going to be the case. Um, so maybe he plays some three, maybe he plays some backup four, backup five, um, and they kind of just feel out what kind of skill they have. Um, but I, I think it's really important to reiterate what you said earlier, um, and something that we've talked about a lot in the past, which is like the idea that Lowry and Wendell, you know, on paper, or in theory, you know, it's, it's just kind of a clunky combination in the front court in the modern NBA. And I think Patrick Williams is exactly the kind of player you would look for to be, like, you know, a standard four of the future who can also then shift over to the five, as I said. So um, I'm excited about that kind of positional versatility. And, uh, yeah, I mean, let's get into the roster stuff because that's pretty interesting. But um, I don't, I think he both fits with Lowry and Wendell and also could mean that one of those guys has gone. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that, that was my immediate thought as soon as I saw the pick go down. And coming back to what I what I said before, that the fact that I view him more as a four, like my first thought was, okay, well, what does this mean for Larry? What does this mean for Wendell? And maybe it means nothing. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he can play small forward. So, I mean, that's certainly a fact. I'm not, I'm not sitting here and professing that I know all. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it um, plays out. But uh, I mean, that was my immediate thought. Like, do the Bulls maybe view Lowry more as a center, or do they want to try to use him more as a center, and, and maybe want to reach? Or help him reach the best version of him or the best scope of, his, of him as a player. And I think that for Larry to maximize his talents and um, to grow into maybe the player that some think he can be, that it has to be at the center position, less so power forward based on how the league is sort of trending forward. But um, so maybe, you know, putting Larry at center and having someone like Patrick Williams next to him at, at power forward who can sort of be that defensive guy. That's an interesting thing. I, I, I was, before the draft, thinking that Patrick Williams made a lot of sense in Minnesota. Maybe not necessarily with the first pick, but, you know, next to Cat, as the offensive offensive center, you have, like, a, a plug-and-play power forward that can play both sides of the ball, can even protect the rim some. Um, someone like Patrick Williams next to Cat made sense. So in that sense, you know, transferring that idea over to Lowry, that, that, does, that is kind of logical. But um, in terms of, like, even with Wendell putting those two guys together and if Patrick Williams can really develop his outside shot then that would be just a complete, you know, from a defensive standpoint just an absolute wrecking ball. I mean, I can't imagine teams trying to score on that. That would be just problematic. But yeah, I mean, if, if they do view Williams as a power forward and maybe Lowry as the centre, then what does that mean for Wendell? Or conversely, like, does, does, does Patrick Williams a power forward push Lowry out? It's, it's, it's just weird. And that, that's the questions I'm asking, but Again, if the Bulls view him purely as a small forward, that maybe none of this really matters initially, at least. But it's going to be an interesting test case.
2: Yeah, I think like for me, the ideal scenario is that both Patrick Williams and Wendell develop their offensive skill sets in a way where Wendell can kind of play that um, elbow facilitator role. He develops a bit of a jump shot and can at least like stretch out the floor a little bit. And Patrick Williams does the same thing where he provides that rim rolling threat he can be you know somebody who attacks closeouts um on ball reversals and is is a solid playmaker and passer um has good vision um i think his assist to turnover ratio was not very good but um a lot of that was like based on his um like like bad turnovers uh like handling the ball as opposed to um passing so i, I think if he tightens that stuff up um those two really complement each other well in an ideal world offensively. And then as you said, I mean, that would just be like a a dominant defensive front court. Um, I still think you're a ways away from finding the right scoring and like the the right, um, like maybe, maybe this does open up the door for Zach Levine to be there longer term, but I I think they, they have a lot of things to figure out offensively with those two, but they do seem like, nice um, kind of ancillary offensive figures
0: yeah it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out look I'm I'm open to the whole thing the, the way I'm talking about it or thinking about it to myself is this is very very much a wait and see type pick um, I, I I don't want to have any hot takes at this point because I just want to see how it all unfolds and and the way it plays out because I think he could go a range of different ways and I, he wasn't the obvious pick to me at number four but Uh, I think it is a solid pick that in time potentially could look very nice. So we'll see see how it all plays out, I suppose. But at this point, um, I'm willing to to trust AK and Mark Eversley. It certainly wasn't a move I saw coming, but it's definitely not a move either that has me concerned, let's say. There probably would have been some other moves that they would have made that would have... Uh, that I would have had a problem with, let's say, like if Obi Toppin went number four or something like that, or if they reached and maybe took Tyrese Halliburton at number four, something like that, like that would give me more concern than taking Patrick Williams at at number four. But uh, yeah, the the more I think about it, the more I'm talking myself into it, it still leads to more questions maybe than answers. But I mean, I think that would have been the case really for pretty much most people, the Bulls would have taken at number four, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, I was really hoping that when the news about the Pistons acquiring that 16 pick broke, that they would be, because they were rumored to be really interested in Patrick Williams as well. And so I was hoping that they would try to package those two picks, seven and 16 to move up to four. Um, and, and the Bulls could have moved back. Um, I think Killian ended up going seven. So that would have been like best case scenario. Um, but yeah, I think like I, Spent so many years, like, basically, um, like, arguing against anything that Garpax did just because I knew that, like, it was probably wrong. And it feels nice to, and it, it, for the most part, it was. <laughs> it was. It was mostly wrong. But it feels nice to, like, give AKA the benefit of the doubt, and we'll see. I mean, I think the thing about Patrick Williams versus other players in this draft is, like, you have all these guys that, that stand out to people for various reasons, but nobody is a lock and um, they all have like a ton of major flaws and like there's a world where Patrick Williams is like a very complete player. He's not like a superstar. Maybe he turns into one, but I doubt it. Um, but I, I just think he like has a lot of upside, um, a lot of potential in a bunch of different areas. And if any or all of those hit, then he's a very good player. So, I like the idea of him in that way, um, but, yeah, definitely like not the pick I was expecting twenty four hours ago for sure.
0: no, I and mean, I think a lot of people assumed he was going to the Pistons at number seven and based on the the reporting that's going on at the moment, and look i should I should mention that we're recording this during the first round, I mean, picks seventeen or eighteen somewhere like that. So the draft is still very much happening there's obviously news still filtering through there's we'll probably learn a ton more about not only Patrick Williams but the draft more generally you know in the next day or so but uh, I think from what was being reporting initially like the, the Pistons were very enamored with Patrick Williams. Um, They had the number seven pick, it's kind of been reported or alluded to that they were trying to get up into the top three because they maybe got wind that the Bulls were really sort of zeroing in on Patrick Williams at number four, so maybe the Pistons wanted to sort of trade up to the top two or three to to get in and and get Patrick Williams, so that's interesting to me as well, that, that the Bulls were maybe able to, I guess, curtail, I suppose, the Pistons. and. I guess the one question I have is, was there an ability to trade down and get Patrick Williams? Maybe not, because you know if you're trading up to to like to uh, sorry trading down rather to to number seven and the Pistons take number four, then they're then probably taking Patrick Williams. Maybe that's the same case for a lot of these other teams in the four, five, six, seven range as well. So. It's an interesting situation where maybe the Bulls didn't necessarily have the opportunity to trade down and get Patrick Williams. That would have been ideal for me, but I'm assuming because it hasn't happened that that just wasn't a realistic possibility. Again, we're coming live from the locker room app. I want to continue talking about the Bulls draft and the Bulls draft pick of Patrick Williams, but before we do that, I want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsors. First let me tell you about Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed Match Your Job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to tell everyone about Bet Online. Football is back in full swing, people. You may not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, back to the podcast now, talking all things Bulls draft and uh, Patrick Williams with my mate Will Gottlieb. Will, yeah, how are you feeling about Patrick Williams and the fact that maybe, do you think the Bulls could have gone with a pick, uh, a trade-down type scenario or did you just, Do you just not think that's really feasible based on what we know at this point?
2: Well, I think there was a good chance that the Pistons were, like you said, going to be that one team that either traded up with the Bulls or up to three um, to try to swoop ahead of the Bulls for Patrick Williams. But although I think it does seem like a stretch for me in this draft where there's so much uncertainty, like if you like a guy and you like he's your guy for sure, then just like pick him. If it feels like a stretch, whatever, like that's the guy you, you have confidence in. Uh, that's who you want to like be a part of your core moving forward. I don't have any problem with like, you know, he was going to go what at seven or eight, like you reach by three or four picks. I'm I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And look, if you if you feel that confidently about the player, then maybe you just do it, and you know, you just don't think twice and don't risk it. So that's a thing. But uh, to me, at least, I just don't know if there was that option to trade down. That would have been ideal, but I don't know if that if that option necessarily existed. Uh, again, we're, we're coming live on the Locker Room app. want to shout out my good mate, uh, Larry Golden. Larry, I hope you're doing well, mate. Uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, we're using the Locker Room app. If you want to jump on and be part of the conversation, literally with Will and I, just hit the, the, the speaker request button. We can let you in and, and join the conversation and, and talk all things Patrick Williams. But um. Yeah, like I said, Will, the more I think about it, the more I'm talking myself into it. And the reason why I say that is no matter what the Bulls would have done in this specific draft, I would have felt like they were still needing, you know, pieces, you know, several pieces, to be honest with you. Like, even if they took a guard, they would have needed a wing. Even if they took a wing, they would have needed a guard or whatever it might be. So there was never going to be a player that... um I guess, solve the Bulls' problems, let's say, because it was never going to be that style of a guy at number four. So to me, I guess that's another way I've kind of been rationalizing it. I, I don't know if maybe that's just me trying to talk myself into it, but do you, do you think there's any merit to that?
2: I think that's a great point, um, something that I thought about right away too, which is that, like, I think he makes the Bulls better, and depending on what happens with the rest of the core and the rest of the roster, whether they're trades or free agent signings, et cetera, um, I don't think he makes them, like, so much better that they're like you know a forty-win playoff kind of team, um, and so I do think that like we're still kind of playing the longer game here with this rebuild, um, and maybe that gives us a chance at Kate Cunningham or you know B.J. Boston in, in the next draft, um, where you you are seeing some players that can be that like one player that really turns things around and kind of solves the major issues with the team. So um, I I think he becomes another. Um, like just a really solid role player. And then, you know, if you do find that guy, now you're slotting Zach Levine and Kobe back into like, you know, secondary scorer and bench scorer roles as opposed to like your offensive engine and like, you know, spark plug scorer types. Um, And now the pressure's off of Lowry and Wendell. And so, you know, like I said, we still need to get that guy. And I think drafting Patrick Williams allows you the chance to still be in the running for that at the top of the draft next year, which is really important, but also gives you like a really solid young player that I think ideally develops on the same timeline as whoever you draft in next year's draft. Um, So I think it just, yeah, it kind of pushes the rebuild down the road I think another year, which I'm fine with. I think that's the right thing to do. I know it can be, um, you know, a little excruciating for fans who've been waiting for this team to like do something not miserable for the past four years. Um, but I do think that it's like, they're going to have to take the slow approach here. And I think that's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, I look, I completely agree. And obviously they're not going to get that lead initiated through the draft. So it really only leaves free agency at that point. And given that they really only have the the mid-level exception at this point, it doesn't seem like they're going to get a high level point guard, um, for example, coming through free agency and Ricky Rubio sort of just been traded through the draft as well back to Minnesota. So that was a potential option I would have liked the Bulls to explore. But he's clearly going to Minnesota, so he won't be happening. Um, but look, because we're using the Locker Room app and because we can take live calls and get other people involved on the conversation, I thought I could add in uh, Kevin Schwartz who's joined us as part of the conversation on, on the Locker Room app. Kevin, thanks for joining us, mate, on Bulls HQ Uh, Maybe I can just ask you, your your very high-level thoughts on Patrick Williams.
1: I mean, I was the one who threw out the Paul Millsap comparison earlier, and I think uh, that's a really good fit, right? I mean, if if he reaches his peak, and that's really why you brought in Billy Donovan and this entire staff is because they're known for player development and putting players in the best position to fit their games. He could become somebody who starts for a long time in this league. He's very versatile, and I would imagine as the youngest player in the draft or second youngest his body's still going to grow. He's going to become more mature from a physical standpoint, and that's going to translate to be able to guard multiple
0: positions, multiple people. And Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like you're pretty in on the pick then, Kevin. Is that fair to say?
1: I would say I am happy with it. I'm not super excited, not jumping for joy, but I think in a draft like this where you don't have a true expected superstar, like a Zion or a John Morant or something like that, you really can't go wrong with somebody whose floor is very, very solid. And on top of that, just knowing what we know about AK and his ability to find talent like he did in Denver, I'm very much willing to give them uh, at least this first draft and a couple of years through to see.
0: Yeah, I think that is all all fair and it all sounds very rational. And obviously, come draft time, when our, our emotions are running high, and maybe it's tough sometimes to be... Uh, rational, it's it's obviously very, very easy to sort of lose it a bit, and I completely understand it because there's been, there's been drafts in years past where I've certainly, uh, jumped on Twitter and maybe said some things I shouldn't have, but, uh, at the same time, I think you, you've made some good points there, uh, Kevin. I think it all, it all kind of makes sense. But is there a, is there a something that you would have done instead of Patrick Williams that you would have liked AK and Mark Eversley to do that they didn't do necessarily, that whether that's trading up or some other player at number four, what, what are your more, your, your thoughts outside of Williams, let's say?
1: Yeah, I mean, they have so many pieces that they could have moved on the roster right now, and on top of that, I really think that they should have gone after a playmaker. I would have loved Killian Hayes at number four, and I also think that they really couldn't have gone wrong with Denny either if they decided to move away from the point guard in that position. Um, If anything, until the Pistons traded for that 16, because I know that they were talking to Charlotte to try and move up and take Patrick Williams, if that would have not been the case, because that was very late in this, you know, very late into when the draft is about to happen. Um, I would have loved to see the Bulls try and trade back a couple slots because I think they still could have gotten Patrick Williams there at six or seven. And then from that point, you either end up with another draft pick in this year's draft or an actual asset. And the Bulls aren't at a point where they can just, um, you know, start drafting for fit and need. You really still have to be taking the best player available until you have a team that's formidable. Um, what I do really like, though, is the fact that, AK doesn't seem to be super fit with the core that we have right now. I'm not saying that what we have isn't good and can't be great, but the fact that he's willing to, to maybe find replacements or test other people or potentially trade some of the people that we expect to be here for a very long time, like a Levine or a Kobe, uh, it gives me
0: optimism. That- yeah, I think that's that's all more more, more fair and, and reasonable taste from you. So. Uh, Will, what, what about you, mate? I mean, like, we, we we touched on it before as to what it means for Larry, what it means going forward for the rest of the core, but uh, I think maybe even more so now that the fact that Larry is extension eligible. Uh, I'm assuming the Bulls are not going to trade him now, not do anything with Larry right now. I'm assuming they're not going to give him an extension right now either, but do you think the next sort of two to three months are just going to be a complete audition phase for for AK, Eversley, Donovan, etc.? Do you think there's going to be anything grander that happens based on this Patrick Williams pick, or, or how do you think this is all going to play out?
2: Yeah, I think it's a tough one. I mean, I, I really believe that if Lowry was going to get traded, it would have happened tonight for some sort of draft compensation. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of have to assume now that they're going to stick with who they have. I think the way that they handled the qualifying offer situation with, uh, with Dunn, with Valentine, which was a weird one, and um, Shaq Harrison – Um, basically shows that they're like, you know, like Kevin said, and like we've all been saying, um, not really like required to stick with anybody who's already on the roster. So, you know, obviously Lowry is more of a valuable piece, um, but I I think it seems kind of like based on everything that's gone down, um, it would would not surprise me if we see a lot of Patrick Williams at the three, um, but also kind of as more of a backup big. Um, so that Lowry can kind of have a season under Billy Donovan, um, where presumably these guys are playing in roles that make a lot more sense for them to try to rebuild some of that trade value or, you know, just put together an accurate figure for next, for the next contract. Um, so that would be my guess at this point. Um, I'm kind of team like look to trade everybody, not like sell at all costs because I think that would be silly, but, um, I do think this puts the Bulls in a position now to, you know, at the very least, like, know what you know what fair value is for these guys in a trade
0: as opposed to selling really low on them. No, I think that's all fair. And I I think the, the most interesting thing to me about this specific draft is um, maybe away from Patrick Williams and just me just watching from afar, watching the fan base and how the fan base reacts to, the uh, this selection and how that maybe changes their perception of Eversley and, and uh, a tourist kind of service. Like, I'm 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 comfortable with it. Like I said, I, whatever I would have happened at number four, I I would have probably felt the same way that I'm feeling right now. I understand some are maybe quite happy with this pick and maybe view Robert Williams as the next great wing in the NBA. I wouldn't go that far, but then there's some that are almost completely out on the pick as well, that makes me think that's maybe some, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the name, maybe questioning uh, show or Eversley or something like that. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to just watch how the fan base reacts to this. And, and I'm interested to watch it and I'm interested to hear from it. But and maybe you can throw back to Kevin. I mean, are you one of those fans that, you know, when they see the Bulls pick uh, Patrick Williams at number four, does that make you question show and Eversley given that this was their first real, I guess, move with the roster? Does that make you question things or are you more than happy to sort of just give them time that you don't, this pick itself doesn't necessarily change that perception for you?
1: Yeah, I mean the last few years have been so miserable, right? You want them to make a splash and that's why a lot of the people that I have in my life love Obi Toppin because he's just electric and he's somebody that's got a big name and comes in and it's like, all right, somebody I can tune into. From a long play perspective, I want the, B- the Bulls to have a solid roster for 10 years and be a playoff team and look like a Spurs organization. So I think if you're going to be taking a pick on a project and you're going to put a lot of time, effort, and money into coaches that are great at player development, then I'm totally fine with the pick. And like I said, I'm more than happy to trust, at least initially, Mark and um, AK on their first draft pick. Um, and see how that develops before I really make any criticisms. I mean, for a a guy who didn't play that much at Florida State, it wasn't necessarily his fault. It's the way that Florida State plays basketball and runs their program. So to make judgments this soon, I think, is a little bit naive and ridiculous. Um, But at the same time, from an optics perspective, I get why a lot of the general fan base that isn't diehards would react the way that they would react. With that said, nothing feels normal until there's some cash considerations thrown in somewhere. So I'm hoping that shows up in the second round. And if we do, they yeah. can put it towards flying you to America.
0: Uh, mate, look, I, it, I, I'm generally um, very adverse against trading uh, second round picks for cash, particularly when it's just making the Reinsdorf richer and does nothing for us fans. But in this case, if they're, um, if they're willing to throw me some dollars at me and um, maybe get me to the Chicago when obviously I can travel based on what's happening with COVID, who, who the hell knows when that will be. But yeah, maybe, maybe I can, um, maybe I can be bought, I suppose. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I have a price we all do. But, uh, if Jerry Reinsdorf is listening, which I'm sure he is, <laughs> yeah, get, get me to Chicago, old man. That, that would be ideal. But, yeah, I, I think what I want to talk about now, guys, is I want to transition to almost the free agency component to all this and what this pick may mean to free agency. Because, unlike other years where we've had essentially two, three weeks to maybe digest the draft, Understand the draft, understand these prospects. All of a sudden, we're moving away from the draft, you know, literally tonight. Within the next two days, free agency is going to be upon us. Hell, it's already started. I mean, we've already seen leaking and tampering already going on with a lot of these teams out there. So, I guess well, where do you think this heads for the Bulls from a free agency standpoint? Obviously, they don't necessarily have a lot of cap room, or they've got no cap room actually. All they have is really their exceptions, their bid level exception, which is around nine point two, nine point three million dollars. How does this Patrick Williams draft pick influence the Bulls' free agency decisions?
2: You know, I I have a hard time with the free agency stuff. I think you know they're still probably in the like in the asset um, kind of or, or kind of waiting for next summer to decide what they're going to do with their uh their cap space then um i think a lot of teams are using that asset um next summer but i would also just be kind of fine with them like you know maybe flipping auto porter to a team for somebody who's on a longer term deal trying to acquire an asset that way like i don't necessarily want to do this but as an example flipping Otto Porter for Gordon Hayward and a pick or something like that, where the Bulls take on a few extra years and get a pick, and the Celtics get some cap relief after this year because, um, like I said before, I think the Patrick Williams pick kind of signals that they're going to take this thing slowly, that they're not in any rush to compete at a high level. And if you're going to take that approach, you're going to have to take a few more bites at the apple as well. So um, I don't, you know, there's there's not a ton of free agents out there this year. Everybody's kind of waiting on next year. Um, And maybe they play really well this year and, you know, a couple of star free agents want to come on max deals. That'd be great. But I think more realistically, um, they should be thinking about the the 2023 or 2024 plan or whatever it is. um, And just kind of building up the the next core that is going to attract the next free agent, because I just, I'm not convinced that we're there yet.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely feel the same. Uh, most like from a long-term vantage point, I, I certainly agree. But I guess, given what the Bulls did with their their um their, their soon-to-be free agents like Denzel Valentine, obviously Chris Dunn and and Shaq Harrison, the fact that it probably seems like Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison aren't coming back. Obviously, Denzel, a wing, looks like he will be back on some sort of contract. The Bulls have obviously taken Patrick Williams here. Uh, a wing, at least in some certain in in certain matchups or rotations, but if not a wing, then a big man as well. So it kind of leads to, I guess, the idea that maybe the Bulls sort of a targeted guard in for agency, some sort of experienced guard. Because if we look at their backcourt right now, it's really just Zach and Kobe. I'm assuming those guys are going to be starting. You've got Arch on 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 the bench which um, I know won't excite a lot of people, and then obviously Sadaransky. So there's not a lot of guard depth on the Bulls at present if you take away Chris Dine, Shaq Harrison, for example. So I'm assuming because they've gone with a wing slash big like Patrick Williams, that they're going to target a a guard of sorts in free agency. I don't know if it's a long-term thing or it's a Sadoransky 2.0. It would have been interesting for them to go after Rubio, but obviously that's not going to happen with him going to, to Minnesota now. So I don't even know what guard options exist. Uh, hopefully it's not Rajon Rondo, but, um, yeah, it, it, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, I think that's obviously the, the key weak point in the roster, along with wing depth. Um, assuming you play uh, Patrick Owens at the three a little bit and guys can stay healthy, then you have Hutchison, you have Otto Porter to play the three. Um, so you have some room to maneuver there. And I think last year, you know, Sadoransky played a lot of three as well, um, as did Zach because of the just the log jam of kind of shitty guards behind him. Um, I'm fine with like consolidating some of those pieces. I, you know, maybe they, I think like DJ Augustine is a free agent. Maybe he wants like a one year deal that, you know, he like a $9 million mid-level thing where he wouldn't get elsewhere, but I'm fine with like having one of these years where, um, you know, maybe Sadoransky is like mostly point guard this year. Um, you continue to let Zach and Kobe like develop as on ball guards and see if like a different system, a more like structured system helps them. Um, eventually you're right that they will need somebody who, whether it's like a starting level point guard or a bench guy, they'll need to like show Kobe and Zach how to kind of run the offense, which is, I think the argument for the Chris Paul trade, which obviously didn't happen, but um that That certainly seems like the biggest area of need if the injury stuff can not be an issue anymore,
0: yeah, which is always always a risk with the bulls right? I mean,
2: what is Chris Duhan in
0: <laughs> the these days
2: i I think Kirk Heinrich is available on a veterans minimum. I think that would make somebody happy on the skull
0: yeah maybe just just me that would probably be the, the Lone Bulls fan that would be interested in that, but
2: <laughs> I think I'm with you on Kirk Heinrich Island. <laughs>
0: Well, look, he's he's available. I'm sure he's still keeping fit. Uh, he's still hustling hard out there, getting on, getting out there, running, doing, doing case, keeping those legs active. So you know, if he's still around. Having said that, though, obviously Tibbs is back in the NBA. He's back in he's in New York. So I would imagine if he goes anywhere, he would go to New York. But yeah, they the Bulls clearly need a point guard of sorts, or some sort of semblance of. Uh, and I guess that's been my main issue with the Bulls, is the fact that this team just doesn't have a lot of IQ. And I don't say that to disparage the players or anything like that. And whilst I like a lot of these players, I just don't see anyone on this specific specific team that just has, or just screams, you know, super high IQ player, maybe beyond Wendell Carter. Nah, maybe Denzel Valentine to a degree, but sometimes he just takes some terrible shots that make me question that. But um, there's just not a lot of guys that I look on this roster where I go, yep, this, this guy just understands how to do everything on a basketball court, particularly in the backcourt. I mean, Zach, Kobe, they can score the hell out of the ball, but do they know how to facilitate? Do they know how to make the right reads? Do they know how to run an offense? Those are the things I question. So that's why I was a big proponent of Chris Paul. Again, I understood why a lot of people didn't didn't like the idea of Chris Paul given his contract given his age and and, and that sort of thing but um, look uh, that's my main concern going into free agency now and going into next season but maybe maybe that's a good thing because that maybe that will enable a stealth tank of sorts particularly next year and the, as soon as the ball sort of moved away from Chris Paul or not even moved away from Chris Paul uh, took themselves out of the running of Chris Paul, then I started wondering, is the best option here to really just start thinking about the 2021 draft and maybe not going full-on tank. I know you definitely will have um, – you're more on board with trading pieces than I am. But, um, you know, maybe doing a stealth tank of, of some sorts and landing a top five, top six pick in the next draft, which is very different situation to the one we're sort of talking about now where number four – you're probably getting a high end role player, whereas in number four in next year's draft, or maybe even something better, then you're potentially getting that star that you do need.
2: Yeah, and I think, like, you know, the Bulls are going to want to see what they can do running offense through Wendell. Um, I think, you know, we, we've kind of seen enough from Zach and Kobe that feel like they need somebody who can, like, you know, help them run things. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got another shot at it. Like I said, I, I agree with you that. Um if they're trying to like get significantly better, they really need that. But um yeah, I think and, and I do think they'll address it in some capacity, but I, I just I feel like they're kind of taking their time here and um they'll add that guy when they wanna start like actually being like committed to being good and I just don't think they have the roster to say that they're ready for that right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And obviously uh, and look I noted this on, on Twitter the other day, but I think with Kanašová, we'll probably learn more about him and the way he likes to operate through his actions, less so through his words. So clearly, the first action that we've seen with him as an executive is to take someone like Patrick Williams, who maybe is an upside play, clearly a two-way player, but they, they're clearly valuing defense in this instance. I think they're clearly as well um, factoring in. What the modern NBA looks like, and you know, if I again, if I think Patrick Williams is more of a four, let's say that to me, I think he can transition into being that prototypical power forward. I mean, if you think about something like the way Jeremy Grant was playing in Denver, uh, the value that Jay Crowder was bringing to the Miami Heat as a that stretch four. Now, obviously, Jay Crowder went went missing in the finals, but I mean, that prototype of player then. I think they are thinking. They are thinking like that. They're thinking about the, the modern NBA, what that means. They're trying to address the, the the roster in that sense. So, I think it's all positives. Uh, I understand why certain fans, again, like I said, may view this maybe not. from a positive perspective, um, but look, I'm prepared to see how it all plays out. But I think we're um we've done 40 minutes here on Patrick Williams, uh, Will, which I think is pretty extensive at this point. Like I said, we've We've been recording this during the first round. Pick twenty three just went through. The Bulls still have a second round pick to make. Maybe, maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe we'll see what they what they do in in the second round if they make the pick at all. But I think for for the moment at least, I yeah, based on what we've seen happen in this draft, I think I just want to sit back and just digest it all, see how it plays out over the next coming few days. Obviously, what see what happens in free agency, and before we know it, Bulls basketball will be, will just be around the corner in the in a month's time, and. That, at that point, that's when we'll just get the real understanding of who Patrick Williams is a player, as a player.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. It feels like it's been it, – like, it doesn't feel like it's been that long since we've seen basketball. Obviously, the finals were like a month ago. But, like, yeah. obviously, Bulls, has, it's been like nine months. I mean, and and so much has happened with the front office, with the head coach, now with the draft pick, which has been just kind of a crazy ride. Um, I just want to see some actual basketball and see some – Games with a team that's not coached by Jim Boylan, um, and it just feels like a better time to be a Bulls fan. So I'm I'm leaning into it.
0: Uh, I I agree. I'm 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 staying positive. I'm trying to talk myself into it. We'll see how it all plays out. Hopefully it's not a uh, a bad pick. I mean, uh, the Bulls have had some problems picking at number four over the years. I'm, I'm hoping this isn't a similar situation, but um I, I feel confident in saying that uh, that it won't be that. But anyway, I think. For now, like I said, I just want to sit back, watch the rest of the draft to see how it all plays out, digest this Patrick Williams thing. To, to be fair, I think I need to dive into some more film about him as well. I mean, I've done some homework. I wasn't expecting the Bulls to, uh, to to take Patrick Williams, so I've only really started diving more deeply into him, uh, on him, rather, the last few days. Um, I think it still needs to be more homework done on Patrick Williams, but uh, at this point, I'm going to to keep talking myself into it, but look, I think that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Will, I appreciate you joining me, mate. Um, Thank you for jumping on before you get away. Tell the people where they can follow you online in the rare chance that they don't know where they can catch you.
2: Yeah. um, Thank you for doing this with me. It's been a while since we've done a show together and thank you for doing it on the locker room app, which I know you've plugged a million times, but um, this is my new professional home. So, um, obviously like we had Kevin up here, we've gotten some people in the comments asking questions, Um, very engaging way to communicate with people. So um, I hope you'll continue to do your podcast here and I hope people will continue to come up here and and, uh, just listen to whatever else is going on. But uh, follow me at won't Gottlieb. Sorry, my voice is kind of crazy. I've been sick the last couple of days. So, um, I sound kind of weird, but like I said, it's been really fun catching up with you and, and talking Bulls and talking Pat Williams, so um, I appreciate you coming on here, and let's let's get some Bulls basketball going soon.
0: Yeah, for sure, man, for sure, and look, to the people that have tuned in via Locker Room, I do appreciate their uh, their support. Obviously, this is the first go-around on Bulls HQ on Locker Room. I definitely want to use it through the season. I think this will be an interesting tool to use during games or after games and recording podcasts through there, so um, that would be cool. I appreciate, like I said, everyone in the discussion, Kevin, for coming on and and having and voicing his opinion. I think that was cool. So, uh, yeah, I definitely plan on connecting with the Bulls HQ listeners more frequently through the season, getting them involved in the podcast. I think that's fun. And, uh, yeah, as you sort of alluded to, well, we haven't done a pod in a while, so it's good to hear from you. Always love talking Bulls basketball with you, mate. But, um, yeah, thanks again. And like I said... We are transitioning quickly from the draft to free agency folks, so there will be more podcasts coming over the next week or so, so be on the lookout for that. Whilst you're online following Will on Twitter, you can hit me up on Twitter as well, at mkhoops. Follow the show on Twitter as well. Bullshqpod is the handle. If you want to send me an email, you know, if you just want to shoot the shit about the Bulls via email, if that's the way you prefer to do things, hit me up, bullshqpod at gmail.com. Hit me up on the email as well if you want to be part of the Bullshq Discord forum. You can uh, send me an email, I'll drop you a link, and you can come be part of that forum, join uh, a bunch of other Bulls fans talking real-time Bulls conversations as things are breaking. We're up in there at the moment talking draft, but obviously through free agency we'll be doing the same. But that just about does it on this episode of Bulls HQ. Welcome to to Chicago, Patrick Williams. We'll see how you progress in Chicago. But um, for now, this is Green Bulls HQ. Speak soon, Bulls fans.